0: And here's why I'm so excited about this series, because I believe God has been encouraging me and talking to me about asking him for big things. And a lot of times we talk about God moving in the small things, because that's important. I want God moving in the small things every day in my life. But sometimes I'm so focused on these small little things, I really need a big miracle, but I'm too scared to ask for it. Right, I'm not even thinking along those lines to ask for it, and I think a lot of the stories that are going to come forth in this series are actually from the Old Testament, which I love. Because if you've ever read the Old Testament, God did some like wild things. Like Jesus raised people from the dead, and that's impressive, but honestly, some of the old <laughs> Old Testament stories, they're like even crazier to me. They're things that are impossible, like freezing time. Stopping the sun for hours or, you know, doing things like like blinding people and uh, all kinds of stuff. And the Old Testament is also hilarious. One time there was a king, <laughs> they were in the middle of a battle. He goes in to use the bathroom and they need him. So they wait for two days because I guess you don't disturb the king while he's going to the restroom. Turns out he died on the toilet in the bathroom during the war that's in your bible another thing that's in your bible that i love is one time one of god's prophets was challenging some guys who were prophets for false gods and he now this stirred my faith i thought i don't is my faith big enough to do something like that he said okay i'll challenge Your God to my God. You tell me what you want my God to do, and he'll do it. And then I'll tell you what your gods need to do, and they'll do it. And, of course, their gods were doing nothing. And (laughs) the prophet was such a savage. I could just, like, this just shows me that God has a sense of humor. God's prophet is over there, and he's taunting them. And he's saying things like, did your gods go to the bathroom? Is that why they're not doing stuff? It's like he's a six-year-old again, which is my ideal kind of humor. Potty humor? Perfect. So I just love the Old Testament because it has all these bizarre stories. And sometimes we've heard them so many times, we forget that they're true. And if you sit down and you really imagine these things happening and you really, really think about it, it is super, super, super crazy. So that's what this series is all about, the crazy, crazy, mind-blowing things that God did in the Bible. And here's why we want to talk about them, because God is not a respecter of persons, and he's the same yesterday and today and forever. And listen, I believe that I'll see some crazy miracles in my lifetime, because there's some crazy things going on in the world, and God is not going to be outdone by fear and by the devil and by some yahoo coming and work with a gun. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to hide under my desk when all this goes down I'm gonna expect God to show up and do something crazy because he can like why not why am I not asking him to do these crazy things why do I watch the news and I allow that fear to come in you know so it's good to read these stories and stir yourself up about okay yeah our God is a big God and he can do things that are crazy he can do things that maybe I've never even thought about asking him for so that's why I need to pray and say God what do you want to do? What do you need to do? How do you want to move? Because his ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. His ideas are better than mine. And if somebody's coming in my workplace with a bomb, I don't want Morgan's plan going into action. I want God's plan going into action. And I want to see him move, not me move. So that's why we're going to look at these stories. And I'm so excited because it's really going to be great. But I do want to talk a little bit tonight on the topic of fear. And go and look and see how one of God's prophets handled fear. And so the first kind of thing we're going to look at here is in 2 Kings chapter 6. And this is actually going to be our only passage for tonight. So we're going to dig deep. But here's a story. You guys ready for story time? Okay. When the king of Aram, he's the bad guy was at war with Israel, those are the good guys, he would confer with his officers and say, we're going to mobilize our forces at such and such a place. So basically the enemy's over here making plans. They're saying we're going to attack here at this time on this day. So watch what happens. God's not going to be outdone, people. But immediately Elisha, the prophet of God, said, or sorry, he would warn the king of Israel and say, do not go near this place because the enemies are planning to mobilize their troops there. So over here in another country, these guys, the enemies, would be plotting and saying, we're going to show up at this place, and this is where we're going to attack. In a totally separate location, God's prophet would tell the king there, the king of Israel, say, hey, watch out, this is where they're coming next, because God was speaking to them, giving them the upper hand. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated, <laughs> indicated by the man of God. And time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert. So Elisha was like a secret weapon, right? So next verse, the king of Aaron became very upset over this. He's getting mad because he's saying, we go to attack, and they know it every time. So his first thought is that there's a spy, and he called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the spy? Who's the traitor? Who's been telling the other king of our plans? And the guy said, it's not us, my lord. One of the officers replied and said, it's Elisha, the prophet, God's guy in Israel, Tell the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. So one of these guys knew like, hey, they got a man of God on their side and weird stuff's happening and I can't explain it, but that's how it's going down. So this is what the king did next. He said, go and find out where he is so I can send troops and seize him. And the report came back that Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the bad king sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. don't you think Elisha smiled at that? If I was one little old person and some other king thought they had to send horses and chariots and a whole army after me, I'd be getting a good like big kick out of that. That's what I'm saying. God is like so funny. He's, they're getting so mad. It's embarrassing. How embarrassing to have to send a whole army after this one guy. It's ridiculous, but I love it. I love it. So when the servant of the man of God got up early, The next day and went outside, he saw the troops and the horses and chariots everywhere. So he went into Elisha and said, what will we do now? He's freaking out. And let's see how Elisha responds. He says, don't be afraid for there are more on our side than are on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. So God opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and with chariots of fire. How awesome is that? And as the bad army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, God, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, just as Elisha had asked. So... Elisha's facing this massive army, horses, chariots, soldiers, and now now they're blind and they can't see a thing. And this is my favorite part next because it's the funniest part. And Elisha went out and he told them, you've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I will take you to the man that you are looking for. Now, don't you think the armies of Israel were like snickering so hard at this part? The guy that they're looking for is the guy who's walked out to them and said, no, you're on the wrong place. He's not here. I'll, I'll take you to where he's at. Come on, just follow me. You know he was laughing the whole way. They're looking for him and they're so dumb they don't even know he's the one talking to them because they can't see anything. And they're so dumb that they're in enemy territory and they're literally gonna listen to some guy who says, oh, I'll take you to where he's at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Y'all yeah, right, come on, get a clue. So <laughs> he led them to the city of Samaria. Don't worry, story's almost over. And as soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, oh Lord, Open their eyes and let them see. And so the Lord opened their eyes and they saw that they were in the middle of Samaria, a.k.a. exactly where they did not need to be or want to be. And so when the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha and said, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? And Elisha said, Of course not. Do we kill prisoners of war, give them food and drink and send them home again to their master? So Elisha, after pulling like the biggest prank ever, He was so kind to them. They had their enemy in their land and they could have easily killed them. How much matter do you think that it made those guys that he fed them and then sent them back home where they were going to be embarrassed because of what just happened? It's hilarious. So verse 23 says the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. And after that, the bad guys stayed away from the land of Israel. And I don't blame them for that. So this story... It's full of all kinds of crazy, wild, and impossible things. But I think my favorite part is that throughout the story, we just see Elisha refusing to respond out of fear. Even though as one man, he was facing a whole army, his faith was in God. His servant was freaking out, but Elisha's faith was in God, and he said, no, God is going to come through for us on this. And we're going to take a look, kind of back up through that story a little bit and take a a look at some of my favorite points. And at the beginning of the story, like we were saying, the bad guys, they're making all these plans and they're saying, we're going to attack here. We're going to go there. But every time they show up, their plans are foiled because the enemy knew what they were doing. So they're all confused, right? That's kind of weird. The first logical response is that there's got to be a spy because how do they know what we're doing all the time? But, you know, here's my first point tonight. God can tell you what you need to know God can tell you what you need to know and that sounds very simple and that sounds very straightforward but I don't think that we're always believing him to do that when I have fear coming into my life when I'm operating out of fear when I'm thinking in fear I'm not trusting God to tell me what I need to know right don't you think God can tell me if I need to stay away from a certain place today yeah, he can, and it's not hard. It's not hard for him to do that. He, he did this all the time. We see it time and time again in the Bible. So why am I not believing God to do that for me every day? God, what do I need to know today? What do I need to know tomorrow? You know, he's not going to tell us everything because we operate by faith, but he will tell you what you need to know. And sometimes that's not only valuable for you, but for other people. God was telling Elisha this, but the whole country of Israel was being saved by this. It was all a big war at the time, and you know, sometimes God will speak things to you that will not only protect you, but will protect other people too. Or sometimes God will speak to you about other people, and you know what? That's not for you to tell anybody. And Lots of times when God speaks to me about someone, I don't even tell them. I just know that's my cue to pray for them. And I might have an inkling or a feeling of what's going on. Sometimes I kind of will know. And then later, six months maybe, sometimes a year, something will come out. And I'll find out, well, this person did this or this person went through this or this person was dealing with this. And I'll say, ah. That's what I was picking up. That's what I needed to know. I didn't need to know the details, but I did need to know to pray for them. So God will use you to help other people, but he can tell you what you need to know. So I want to encourage you in your life every day, say, God, what do I need to know today? What do I need to know for my safety today, right? What do I need to know today um, about who you want me to minister to? What do I need to know about where to go to school or who to marry or where to live? You know, those things can seem so big, and if we think about them, those issues become overwhelming, but we've got to stop and remind ourselves who we serve. I literally know the God who made Everything, everything. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow and in two weeks and in two years and in 200 years. So, why am I going to sit here and try and figure it out and get myself all freaked out when all I have to do? Is ask and put myself in a place to listen. So I want to encourage you to do that. God will tell you what you need to know. God will give you the upper hand. God will make you successful. That's why Israel was winning the war, not because they were the strongest, not because they were talented, not because they had the biggest army, because they had the knowledge that they needed from God. So it doesn't matter how big your opposition is, all you need to know is what God spoke to you. He'll give you the upper hand even when it looks ridiculous. Elisha single handedly led that enemy army <laughs> to a totally different place all by himself because God worked a miracle, showed up when he needed him to, he did something big. So let's stop acting like we're in this alone and like I have to figure things out and You know, I'm freaked out about this. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to do. Well, figure out what's going to happen and figure out what to do. Go to the guy who knows. You know, stop trying to do it on your own. Stop and think, I have the greatest resource in the entire universe on my side, and he loves me more than anything. So he's going to give me the upper hand. He's going to make me successful. He's going to lead me to where I need to be. So that was the first thing in this story that I thought was really impactful is that you know, God's people just got to sit back and laugh. You know, when God leads you, it's easy. They didn't even have to fight. The enemy showed up to fight with them, to bring them into battle, to try and kill them. They didn't even have to fight. They got to play a massive prank and laugh their way to the bank as they walked into safety. You know, it doesn't get much better than that. God makes things so easy if we just listen and follow him, ask for what we need, ask him to move. So I want to encourage you in the face of things that seem fearful because that's been trying to operate in my life a uh, lots of what I've seen on the news and on social media and lots of places lately has tried to bring a lot of fear into my life because it just makes you think like if the world is this crazy now what's it going to be like in 10 years you know it It can be very, very alarming, but I'm not designed to respond that way, and I shouldn't respond that way. I should respond with saying, no, God can protect me through anything, and God can give me the upper hand in anything, and I can come out on the other side laughing at how easy it was, because all I had to do was hear from him and obey, and it makes it so easy. So I love that. Like I said, I read so much of the Old Testament with like a real sense of humor, because it's just ridiculous. Like it's ridiculous how fun is it that God is totally ridiculous like he didn't have to do that you know he could have done things in like a simpler way I don't know but like it's just ridiculous and hilarious and you couldn't have even made that up if he tried you know it's just the best and I love it so much so let's take a look at the second part of the story that was the first part which I just love I'm gonna take it down from a 70 to 30 guys I'm gonna try and slow down that's what that water was for here You guys know that about me. My coworkers don't know that about me yet. But the other day, they found out. My boss said, you were amazing. That was fantastic. But I need you to bring it from up here to down here. And he said, how do we do that? And I said, bro, I don't know. I've been trying for years. So (laughs) we're going to work it out (laughs) one way or another. But in the second part of this story, when the bad king sends his guys to come kill Elisha, You know, God will literally keep you in the know if someone's trying to kill you, which that's pretty handy, right? I've never had anyone try to kill me, I don't think, but God will let me know if something's coming. And so whenever uh, Elisha's servant went outside and looked, he's freaking out. He's thinking, we are done. He gets up in the early morning. These guys have come in overnight. There's a massive army, and he's looking at him and Elisha like two guys, right? You know, don't stand a chance. But I love what Elisha says. He said, there are more on our side than are on their side. So I want to break this down for a second and look at it in a couple of ways. Because sometimes I think we look at ourselves as a minority. We're going to start there. What we believe at this church, moving with the spirit, praying in tongues, laying hands on people. We think like we're the weird church because we do that stuff. Anybody ever had that thought? I thought that way in high school. I thought I could never invite someone to come to church with me because they're going to be freaked out and leave, and I'm going to be embarrassed next time I see them. That was my thought process. That was wrong. Because here's what we have to realize. That's a tactic of the devil to say, you're the only one. That's really weird. Maybe you should go to a normal church. But you know what? As I've gotten older and I, like, finally decided to read my Bible for myself, super novel concept, this stuff's not weird. Jesus did it. You know, every everybody in heaven prays in tongues. Everybody in heaven lays hands on people. Well, they don't need you, but they believe. They're like hooping at us when we're laying hands on people. They believe in all that stuff. Break that down out of your mind. There are more that are on our side than those that be on their side. Literally every being in heaven believes in the power of God and believes in healing and believes in praying in tongues. Jesus believed in those things. The disciples believed in those things. The entire church in the book of Acts was exploding and stuff was getting so wild that people looked at the church and was like, those people are drinking at 3 p.m. They weren't. The Holy Ghost was moving and things were getting kind of crazy. But that's sometimes what church is going to look like, right? We're not the minority. We're not the weird church. We're not the minority. And the things that we have are going to impact people because a church without the Holy Ghost is a powerless church it's a list of rules. I can take this Bible all day and I can try and do it and I can try and read it and I can try and understand it. But if I don't have the power of the Holy Ghost in me, being my helper to do those things, I'm going to fail miserably. So there are more that be with us than those that be with them. We are not the minority. And in fact, if you look at the church globally, spirit-filled churches make up the largest account of churches in the entire world why? Because that's where the power is. That's where the truth is. That's what's real. And people may not understand it up front. That's okay. You know what? Many times I didn't have to understand God. Because I was feeling him. And maybe I couldn't explain it, but I couldn't deny that that was real. I couldn't deny that there was power. I couldn't deny that I wasn't shaken on my own. I couldn't deny it. It's because it's real. And so I just want to encourage you tonight. Like I said, I struggled with thinking that as a teenager, you know, like, well, our church is just like, You know, no one else prays in tongues. No one else at my school prays in tongues. They would probably freak out if I did. You know, and I dealt with all that stuff and just thought, like, well, is our church the weird one? Like, I know this is real, but why are other churches doing it? Kick that out of your mind. There are more that be with us than those that are with them, and we are not against other churches by any means. I love any church that wants to get people saved because that's the point. But I want to live a life full of the power of God because I want to be able to get the help I need, and I want to be able to bring that freedom to other people. And then here's the other part of that verse that I kind of want to look like. You know, whenever whenever the servant's eyes were open and he saw up on the hills horses and chariots of fire and angels, you know, he realized there are more on our side than are on the other side. And so... I don't just mean that in, in what we believe, but I mean that spiritually tonight. You know, uh, we just started a series on Sundays. If you don't come on Sundays, you should, because right now Pastor Jordan is talking about angels. And it's so fantastic. In the book of Isaiah, there was one angel who killed 186,000 men. 186,000 men. One angel. So why would I ever, ever, ever be afraid? I don't even need a whole army. I just need one. And I know I got at least that. So why would I be afraid? There are more that be with us than those that be with them. And whatever kind of help I need is available to me. So I will refuse to fear. I will refuse to fear. I'm not going to read things and let myself get scared thinking, well, what if this happens to me in a parking lot? What if this happens to me at work? What if this tries to happen? I need to carry my keys in my hand. I need to get pepper spray. I'm not playing that game. It's fine to do those things. Don't be stupid. But there are more that be with me than those that be with them. And if somebody comes up to me and they're thinking they're going to try and grab me or shoot me, I'm not going to be afraid. There's more on my side than those are with you. And if one angel can kill 186,000 men... I'm covered. I am good. I will not fear. I want to encourage you guys that as the main takeaway tonight, I will not fear. I will not be scared of what people think of me. I will not be scared of what people are going to do to me. Because in the end, anyway, the very worst thing someone could do is send me to heaven. Joke's on you. Best time ever. You know, but I believe in the protection of God. I'm not going to heaven till I'm like old. So I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid of driving. I will not be afraid to go into dark places. You know, I'm not going to be uncomfortable walking down the street. If there's some big guy coming towards me, I will not be afraid because God can be what we need him to be. He showed up and he did all these ridiculous, crazy, impossible things for Elijah. He made a whole army blind. I've never asked God for that. I haven't needed it yet. Watch out though, because I'm getting real encouraged. So if you make me angry, I don't know, might test it out. (laughs) Just kidding. God would not answer that prayer. God does not respond to our anger. But he can do the impossible. We've got to get those limiters off of our mind of what God can do because I struggle with that. I struggle. I believe God can move, but sometimes I only am kind of thinking along the lines of him moving the same way a human would. Like he can do this for me just like a person would. He could do that for me just like a person would. I don't want it like a person would. I want it like God would. And I want it like God can. He can be whatever I need. So I will not be afraid. And Elisha could have been afraid like lots of times in this story. He had people after him. He had whole armings being sent to kill him but he laughed his way through it and walked out safe on the other side because God showed up and did exactly what he needed him to do. So I want to ask you tonight, what do you need God to do? With God, nothing is impossible. The Word tells us that, and many of us, because we've grown up in church, we've heard that since we were tiny. So it kind of loses its ring. Okay, with God, all things are possible, whatever. But really think about that. Think about that in your life. What's something that seems impossible? Is there an impossible family situation? Is there an impossible exam? I have had some, some miracles on exams. Let me just tell you. I'm not going to give you details. It's not important. I was really sleep deprived during that time of my life. But sometimes I just, I'm just, you're just happy to pass, you know? What do I always say? Anybody got my classic quote? C's get degrees, cause they do. Do your best, <laughs> do your best. But my degree is the very same as someone who had a 4.0, so no, my employees have not asked me what my GPA was. But you know. C's get degrees, but God will show up. Do you need him to help you on an exam? He'll do that. Do you need him to help you get your dream job that you're not qualified for? He can do that. God can do the impossible. Listen to me. Do not be scared at your schools. Fear spreads so easily. I was on campus two times when they thought there was a shooter, and I have never seen... I've never seen panic. I've just, I've never witnessed panic like that. You could feel the fear in the room. And I was so grateful that I wasn't afraid and didn't have to be afraid. But I was also just kind of just shocked. And I was so, I felt so bad for those people who were so afraid. So afraid, you know, so afraid. And I don't want God just to keep me safe, but I want him to keep people safe around me. You know, like I want to, in that situation, start praying with people, tell them it's going to be all right and watch God protect us in a miraculous way because things are getting crazy. The Bible tells us the world's just going to get darker and darker Don't worry about it. It's not going to be that way for me and you. I will not be afraid because God can tell me what I need to know. And because those that are on my side are more than those that are on their side. And I'm believing for the day when somebody comes into your gun with a school or vice versa. I'm believing for the day that if somebody comes into your school with a gun, it's not going to work. And it's going to end up with them on their knees. Because I believe God can do that. Listen to me, don't be scared. Don't be scared. It doesn't matter what somebody comes at you with. Don't be scared. It is no match. There is more that are with you and more that are on your side than more that are on their side. And instead of seeing that person and being scared of them or even being angry at them or hateful for towards them, I want to respond in love and I want to introduce them to Jesus because that's the only thing that's going to change people, you know. And so don't be afraid don't be afraid you know as you guys go home this week Read that story. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6. There's some other good stories in there too. Um, And like I said, just tons of good stories in the Bible. But read over that and think about that. Ask God, God, how have I been limiting you? How have I been thinking of you on human terms? I don't want to think of God on human terms. I want God to be as big as he can be and be everything that he is. So ask God, how can I believe you for bigger things? How can you stir me up? How can you help me, you know, enlarge my faith to believe for big things? And then read. Refuse to fear because, listen, there will be opportunities all the time. There already are, and they're just going to be more numerous. But I have nothing to fear when I remember that God can tell me what I need to know and that there are more that are with me than those that be with them, regardless of who that is. I don't care if it's an army. I don't care if it's a nuclear bomb. I don't care. It doesn't matter to God. God doesn't operate on the laws of earth. He operates on the laws of heaven, and that can supersede physics or any other thing. And I'm so grateful for that tonight. So I pray that you guys were tonight stirred and encouraged to not fear regardless, not fear. And listen, I, like I said, I'm dealing with this right now. Fear is trying to come in on me in a lot of different ways, and I have to stop and remind myself of this. But when I read these stories and when I think about it and I go over it, man, it's so encouraging, and then it, it becomes so easy um, to be free from fear and to know that I don't have to fear things that other people fear so um thank you guys so much for listening tonight we are so excited for this new series it's going to be really fun it's going to be a good time and i forgot about this earlier and i can't believe it because it's like my favorite thing of the whole year quarry costume party quarry costume party people the 24th anybody already working on their costume i got to place an Amazon order. Mine will pretty much be complete after that. Get your stuff together. Bring your A-game because you guys were amazing on Meme Night, first of all. I don't want to give any shout-outs because I could literally give a shout-out to everyone, although I did tell a lot of people about you, Jared. (laughs) But I loved your old costumes so much. You guys were so creative and had so much fun. So get your costumes ready for a costume party, and we will see you guys next week and continue the series.